0: Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of Voices Unheard, a podcast that shares stories of changemakers who are giving a voice to people or issues that are too often silenced. Joining me today for our very first episode is Yasmin Arkenstor. Yasmin is a classical soprano with a passion for OCD advocacy. Before we get started, Please note that this episode contains deep conversations around mental illness and OCD, which some people may find distressing. Don't worry, we won't get into too much detail, but if you're uncomfortable around this kind of conversation, you may want to skip to the second half of the episode. Now, without further ado, let's get into it.
1: Hey Yasmin!
0: Thank you so much for agreeing to be featured on Voices Unheard today.
1: Yay, I'm excited.
0: (laughs) So to start off, could you please tell us what obsessive compulsive disorder is for those of us who may not be so familiar
1: with it? Yes. So essentially, obsessive compulsive disorder is an anxiety disorder um, where the sufferer feels that they need to do Uh, a bunch of rituals um, in order to neutralize uh, a feared thought or feeling. So um, uh, we basically call them intrusive thoughts. Uh, Intrusive thoughts are when you get a thought that is disturbing in some way, um, gives the sufferer a sense of disgust or horror or shame or just some negative uh, and intense emotion And then in order to get rid of that feeling or that thought, um, we as sufferers feel that we must do uh, either a mental ritual, something in our head, or a physical ritual to um, neutralize that fear and make it go away. But unfortunately, these rituals um, just make things worse and prolong the obsessive cycle. Mm
0: -hmm. I see. Can you give us an example of what this whole process looks like then?
1: Yes. Okay. So um, I'll use uh an example of, of one of my obsessions. I've got quite a few themes, um, but the one that has always kind of been the most triggering to me or the one that's kind of stuck with me for the longest, I think because of my singing and, and you know, performing from a young age, is the fear of my um, throat closing up. So that's been um, kind of a a big theme for me. And so um, over the years, in order to kind of navigate this, I felt that I've needed to um, voluntarily swallow in order to make sure that I don't gag or embarrass myself in front of other people. And um, so this could look like, oh, I'm scared that I will gag in front of other people, so now I'm going to do a bunch of swallowing compulsions to make sure that I don't do that. And so then I get caught up in this cycle. I get a headache. I get very tired um, because I'm involving myself in this uh, kind of torturous process um, of trying to escape um, the initial fear of embarrassing myself, um, if that makes sense.
0: mm Interesting, very interesting. And what do you do personally to get out of this vicious cycle, so to say?
1: Yeah, so the therapy is to do what we call exposure response prevention, uh, which is to do, uh, well, to try, it's very difficult at times, um, to do the opposite of the urge. So whatever the urge is to do, um, we have to work on in our own time trying to resist um the ritual um and it can feel extremely difficult because everything in our body and our brain is saying please do this thing right now um otherwise you're going to die or you know um uh, this this terrible situation will happen uh and there's no going back and so um you'll feel really overwhelmed in your body to do this thing and it feels like your life depends on it um wow. and so yeah it's a very visceral um uh process, and um all you can do is is your best in trying to resist the compulsions.
0: Wow, do you have any kind of relaxation techniques that you use to resist the compulsions
1: yeah i mean i I work a lot on meditation um I do uh uh yoga quite a bit um anything that allows me to kind of uh refocus to my breath and um, you know in for four counts out for four counts that sort of thing um, but I actually have a happy box or, or a relaxation box really where I put all um, the little things that help me to refocus or um, get me through a, a difficult uh, cycle. Mm,
0: wow interesting I should really start one for myself as well. I really-
1: recommend it. It's 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 really helped me because so, I can just go to the box and pick something out. And um I've also got a little uh bag where I can pick out um refocusing tools. So it, it can it can be a mixture of uh refocusing tools, relaxation techniques, or just plain fun. Um just to uh help help to help um get out of the rumination and um being stuck in this cycle basically.
0: Mm, I see, I see. Wow, and i'm just I'm just kind of wondering um and does having an o c d affect your everyday life then
1: yes, um well, some days are quite uh they're more quiet than others mm-hmm. um other days can be very loud the o c d is very loud, and it's kind of begging you to do these rituals um mm-hmm. and those days are really hard and exhausting um uh, what they can look like for me, if I'm if I'm really struggling, is kind of lights out, you know, lay back down in bed, tension, mm. headache, and, uh, you know, uh, tension elsewhere in the body, and all you can do is just take care of yourself and be kind to yourself. It's it's a hard mm. process.
0: Yes, for sure, for sure. I mean, like like with anything, there are good days and there are bad days. So as long as you exactly. kind of you know you're trying your hardest, that's kind of the most you can do. Absolutely for sure i'm also kind of just wondering um so i feel like ocd is something i mean a lot of um anxiety disorders are kind of just thrown around in pop culture and so i what i'm wondering what do you say to people who are like oh i'm so ocd and things like that because that kind of thing really um it angers me so i'm i'm kind of i'm wondering what um someone who actually has an ocd would say to someone else who says something like
1: that yeah, you know, that's a big thing in the community. Um, a lot of people in the community get really hurt when people say things like that because it feels like a bit of a slap in the face to to OCD sufferers who kind of struggle each day and, you know, trying their best all the time to not do rituals, you know. And so... Um, I sometimes I just uh or in the past because I've been a shy person I've just kind of let it go but um these days I try and educate like in a kind polite way I try and say look um that isn't what OCD actually is and I put them in the picture and I explain what OCD actually is and usually they'll be really understanding sometimes they'll be defensive and I guess um you know they're working through their own stuff and so we've kind of just got to you know except that not everybody is going to be uh accepting and understanding of of you know our story and um what we uh have to bring to the table if that makes sense yeah yeah wow wow i guess it's kind
0: of the onus is on all of us to start educating people about mental health if we have kind of extra knowledge and experience about it then
1: Absolutely. It's very important that we speak up and um, advocate for uh, different mental health disorders because I feel that so many of them, uh, OCD very much included in that, are very misunderstood. And there are a lot of people who I've spoken to over the years who have said, I didn't even know that that was OCD. I thought OCD was was purely, you know, uh, wanting to be really neat and tidy and fastidious, you know, all these sorts of words that they use. But it, it, it's more so that, you know, we get this really uh, triggering intrusive thought and we feel we need to do something about it. And that's what the whole torturous process of it is. And it can leave you bedridden and, you know, doing rituals over and over all days. Sometimes, you know, we'll have OCD all day and it just won't go away. And what we can do on those days is do our therapy, do our exposures, try not to do the ritual. Um, And be kind to ourselves when we do as well, because we will fall into the OCD trap. It it happens. But all we can do is be kind to ourselves and try not to do the rituals.
0: Mm, Exactly. Exactly. That's so true. I remember um, like one of my psychology lecturers from uni was talking about how like you can't really it's not really like a relapse when you kind of experience symptoms again. It's more just, okay, relapses are normal. So you're kind of, you're just on the journey to recovery. Um yeah. Even if you are experiencing the symptoms. But as long as you kind of keep reminding yourselves um, that the symptoms are kind of way less and way, um, way less severe and probably way less often than before, then you are kind of, that's kind of like giving Um, giving yourself a motivation to kind of keep going and get better.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, what I've found is self-compassion is so important in the process because I used to just beat myself up whenever I was in a cycle, whenever I was doing rituals and I felt I couldn't stop. Um, And I'd just be so mean to myself, but, you know, we've got to remind ourselves we, it's not our fault that, that we have this disorder. It's not, our fault that you know genetically we were just more you know uh prone to to this disorder and all we can do is our therapy and and work towards getting better in in a slow kind way yeah I see I see and
0: just um just kind of getting on your point about like genetically because I feel like a lot of people um think that there are kind of specific factors that would influence whether someone has um a kind of anxiety disorder or not what is your opinion on that
1: um yeah i definitely uh agree with with that statement i mean i think there's overwhelming evidence that there is some genetic um uh, basis for for uh even even a baby to be born with uh, you know the i guess the right sort of conditions to develop ocd one day it's not always um onsetting from um childhood uh for me it onseted well really as a child i've got to say i got really really bad when i was like 11 years old but there were signs earlier than that um when i was about 5 or 6 um i was um i had really severe separation anxiety from my parents and um i was doing a lot of rituals to try and make sure that they were okay when we were apart so i'd call over and over and i'd um, I'd ruminate all day. It's another mental ritual rumination and, you know, trying to work things out and, um, and it, yeah, it, it, it tends to onset in childhood, but not always. I mean, some, um, adults, um, will develop OCD out of nowhere. They call it adult onset OCD. So it's just the way it is. Um, but there is definitely a genetic basis mm. for sure. Um, I don't quite recall um uh, all the scientific words uh for for the parts of the brain that are a a bit more hyperactive um for us but um that there's definitely um some some bits in there that are lit up like a christmas tree whereas other people's um are a lot more chill
0: Mm, interesting wow I guess it, that's so awesome you said that because it kind of makes you realise that, um, you know, there's still so much research to be done in this field as well. There's so much we don't know about it.
1: Absolutely. Um, I was I was watching the OCD, the international um, OCD conference online this year because of COVID. Um, so they couldn't actually do the conference in person this year. So I bought a ticket to watch it online and they were talking about um, how there is just so much that we still don't know. There's so much research to be done about OCD. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress for sure. I, I hope that um, we can get a lot more funding to, to look into this disorder because so many people are struggling. I think more than 2%. They say that 2% of the world's population have OCD, but I would argue with that. I think that there would be more than that.
0: Mm, wow. I mean, even even if it is 2%, it's still a
1: lot of people. That is, yeah, absolutely a lot of people. And the sad thing is that um, a lot of psychologists um, don't recognise uh, if a sufferer is experiencing OCD. A lot of uh, sufferers, including myself, get misdiagnosed. I was misdiagnosed for 10 years. Um, I didn't know, or I, I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, a generalised anxiety disorder, but it always kind of the diagnosis fell off mm. um, because of the obsessional nature of the thoughts that I was having, and so I, I just thought that there was something more and ten years later, yes uh, OCD diagnosis so um it's a, it's a real shame um, because the the average I was looking the other day, the average time for a sufferer to get diagnosed is eleven to fourteen years, um which is such a shame because you know, we suffer in silence for so, so long. Um, Well, not even in silence, we go to see people and we get misdiagnosed. And it's a shame that um, I guess that there's not more um, uh, awareness of what this disorder actually is. There's still a lot of misconception, even in the psychology community.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow. Speaking about that now, um, like, what do you do to kind of Actively educate people about OCD.
1: Well, um, I have a, an Instagram account. Um, uh, it's called the Tea on OCD, and um, I started off doing a lot of, <laughs> I, I started off doing a lot of different posts. Um, about raising awareness of of wonderful psychologists, psychiatrists, um, advocates around the world. Um, I did a lot of amazing quotes from. Um, these people, like I reshared things. Um, I uploaded a lot of helpful refocusing tools that have been really great for me. And um, I, yeah, I just uploaded um, a lot of um, things to kind of raise more awareness about the disorder. But that has shifted um, quite a lot uh, in the last throughout. Let's say throughout lockdown, it's become TikToks. About um, OCD and my experience as a sufferer, and um, they're kind—they're of, meant to be funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but obviously, OCD is—you know—it it feels like a, a torturous, devilish condition at times, and it's just yeah. completely exhausting and debilitating. But I've—I've I've wanted to kind of um, take the power away from OCD by um, laughing at myself and and what. I go through and what the, the crazy things my brain tells me because I've got a lot of different themes. Or I've experienced a lot of different themes over the years, um, about all sorts of weird and wonderful, well, not, not wonderful, but weird and wacky sort of, uh, uh, ideas. Uh, so I just thought, you know, this could, this could help people. Um, this could, you know, make other sufferers laugh about what we go through. Um, when, when it, Doesn't feel funny, you know. There are days where nothing feels funny, Mm. but if we can have so I just I just lip sync to different sounds on tip on TikTok and um upload myself, you know um, with a caption like me um, uh in in different situations um Ah. (laughs) and it's quite yeah it's quite fun. I've enjoyed um, I've really enjoyed going on there and, and doing that. It's been great, um, but I'll, I'll I'll try and think up an example. Like today, I uploaded myself um, lip syncing to a guy screaming and saying he was fine, and I just said me after 2020, I'm no CD sufferer. That's kind of that's kind of the content that we're going for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and actually, um,
0: I would really enjoy that actually.
1: Yeah, give it a follow if you want. I mean, it's a bit of fun. It's nearly got two thousand followers. I'm really happy about that. I've had it for a few years now and um it's taken a while to kind of, you know, pick up a mm. following but I'm really thankful and um uh you know I I'm talking to people every day from all around the world um wow. even from the IOCDF so wow. which is the International OCD uh Foundation wow. and um it's it's just really it's really amazing to talk to fellow sufferers and uh, relate to these beautiful beautiful people a lot of people don't realize how how lovely uh, OCD sufferers really are I mean yeah. you know so many of them have heightened empathy yeah. um very brave because we have to face our fears every day um you know um very supportive because we know how hard it is to face our fears every day so um the community they tend to be really beautiful people so uh, it's felt really special to connect with these amazing people from around the world
0: oh that's amazing i feel like i feel like i should get tiktok now i've been saying this for months but hearing uh, hearing a wholesome story like this just makes me want to get it even if i'm only following you
1: it would it would be really fun um so I do I do a lot of um TikToks as well around different themes I mean there are a lot of taboo themes which tend to be more of a sexual nature as well so you know fear of having um intrusive thoughts about someone walking down the street or even someone that you know or even someone in your family Mm. so having um thoughts about you know, what if I am in love with my dad, and you know the person is not, but that the the thought was so triggering to them that it keeps looping, and so they're doing things mentally to try and to try and figure it out and and make sure that they're not in love with their dad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that can easily anything can become an obsession, anything uh, as long as, as long as it's triggering to the sufferer, it can be an obsession. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I'll uh but for sexual sort of themes, I'll you know, I'll upload uh I tend to have me as Yasmin and then O C D with her hair back so you can tell um <laughs> you can tell who's who and then um I'll be just like seeing there and then you know I'll turn into the O C D and, and you know I'll I'll like lip sync some some lyrics from WAP or or some song that's very sexual um and and then it'll it'll cut back to me and it'll just show the kind of dichotomy between the two uh sort of uh figures i guess
0: (laughs) that's awesome and i feel like something like that um also really highlights um the fact that you know someone uh, who has who kind of identifies as someone with a mental illness that's not them like they're kind of two um separate entities um if anything. So that's really awesome that you kind of you're highlighting that in your profile as well.
1: That's really cool. You make me want to get TikTok now. Um, Thank you. You'll have so much fun. You might get a bit addicted, but you'll have loads of fun. <laughs> yeah. Homework for next time.
0: Um, okay. yeah. um So I guess, like, uh, so we're kind of getting to the end of our um podcast session now, and I just, I'm just wondering, what do you think a lay person like? Um, Like you and I do, you know, because I think most people would be like, "Well, okay, great." Like I have more knowledge about OCD now, but what can I actually do about it? So, what would you say to people who ask you, like, what can I actually do to better support those with OCD?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, um, I think family accommodation in OCD is a really big thing. So families unknowingly, um, helping their kids ritualize or you know helping even their partner ritualize um so i think it first and foremost it's very important that they become as knowledgeable about the disorder as they can be so they don't help um their loved one do compulsions because um that's that the trap that that me and my parents have gotten into uh, is that you know you you want to help your child or you you want to help your loved one and they're suffering. You see them suffering, and um, unfortunately, just um, uh, helping them ritualize is going to make things worse. It might seem like the the right thing to do, and that you're being, you know, kind and and uh, supportive, but it's actually detrimental to the sufferer. So I'd say learn as much as you can about how to resist that that urge to to um, Help them do the rituals. Yeah. Um, uh, donating is always an option to to the IOCDF. Even following some accounts, you know, just for um to help them out a little bit. Yeah, just just help. I guess helping out um small businesses. Even like, I have a friend um from New New Jersey um who I found on TikTok. She's awesome. Uh, she, her name's the Octopus. Uh, so OCD or puss uh, and um, she makes stickers um, and she's, she's made like a uh, um, OCD is not obsessive Christmas disorder, a sweater. And um, she, she sells those on Etsy. So I guess just helping out small businesses like that, but yeah, there are loads of things you can do.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Cool. So thank you so much again for um, coming along on this journey. and. even though you know like i have a psychology background and everything but i'm still i'm always learning (laughs) and so very
1: thankful oh you're welcome (laughs) thank you for having me and for allowing me to think about this topic it's very important to me Mm,
0: yeah for sure and thank you so much for tuning in to our very first episode again and we should be expecting an episode very soon The next episode will be a conversation around community mental health. So if you want to be notified when it's out, make sure to subscribe to Voices Unheard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes or whatever it is you listen to your podcast on. Additionally, make sure you check out all the links and resources in this episode's description as well as a transcription of this episode below. That's all for this episode, guys. See you next time.